It is midday here on this Friday, October 15th. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the World Voice of Nebraska. It's been a fun morning so far. It's going to continue. Yeah, great stuff coming up on this Friday. A lot of questions you may have in terms of weather. What's it going to look like for this upcoming weekend into early next week? Freeze warnings will go into effect tonight for a good chunk of our listening area. Frost is now something we will have to continue to deal with for the foreseeable future, likely. We'll get more on that in our regional ag weather update with Paul Perkins in about 15 minutes. Jason Jorgensen, he'll be heading the road down south, UNK on the road at Emporia State for football, but he'll still give us a report for sports that's coming up in a few moments. And Bob Rogan will join us shortly as he also will talk about how the uh, business numbers are looking to end this week. Let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield, though. Susan, how are you doing on this Friday? I'm doing well. It's a Friday and I'm about ready to go on vacation. Well, then, hey, there, there you go. It's always it's it's even more of an enjoyable Friday when you know that you have vacation lurking in the near future. I know it'll be fun. I'm not going anywhere. I'm well, just okay. staying in the big metropolis of surprise, but still. <laughs> well, that's okay too. Sometimes it's all you need—a little R and R, uh, and that, that certainly helps uh, for that. But uh, what do you have coming up for us today before you head out to a vacation? Well, it is a Friday, which means we always have to check in with Al Dutcher to find out what's happening weather-wise. We'll get those details at 1219. He says it looks like some good harvest weather at least through the end of the month. So some good news there. Now, the 1245 and the 117 are part one and part two. Yesterday, I went to Albion and had breakfast with a bunch of Nebraska corn growers and Greg Jones. Greg Jones is with Pearson Fuels out of San Diego, California. Little nugget, they're expecting to purchase over 50 million gallons of ethanol. A big chunk of that comes from right here in Nebraska. So Hmm. he shares with us their story about how important E85 is, not only to California drivers, but how it all ties back to us here in Nebraska. So we'll be hearing from that both at 1245 and 117. All right. Looking forward to that. Good news for Nebraska. Well, Susan, enjoy the rest of your day today and enjoy next week and your vacation. Very much so. I'm looking for a big Gopher W tomorrow. Just saying. Okay. All Since right. Jason's not in there in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to avoid that cu- topic today, but uh, apparently not. All right. Well, enough of that. We'll talk to All you right. later. Sounds good. Have a great day. All right. You too. There is Susan Littlefield. She's now dead to us for this next uh, 24 hours. All right. Let's catch up with Jason in sports. Well, coming up in sports, we'll take a look at Nebraska's game at Minnesota. There is a little bit of tragedy involving the Nebraska football program as defensive coordinator Eric Chenander's father, Gene, died yesterday in an automobile accident in Iowa. We will give you the latest on that. UNK football squad is on the road this weekend with a tricky one in Emporia State. Lopers so far, 5-1, and one, setting in second place in the MIAA standings, but they certainly need a win tomorrow against the Hornets. That's a game we'll bring you on 93.1 The River. Okay, good stuff there. Thank you very much, Jason. Bob Rogan, uh, how are stocks looking here on this Friday? Stocks are climbing on Wall Street as uh, there are some encouraging reports on the economy and uh, corporate profits. Also, Americans continued to spend at a solid clip in September, even as they face sticker shock at the grocery stores and elsewhere. And the average U.S. household is going to pay more for heating this winter as Mm. the prices for heating fuels go up. And a colder winter forecast contributes contributes to greater demand. Those stories and more coming up. I'd- 
It is time for Regional Ag Weather Update here on this Friday, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Boy, a little cool out there as Paul Perkins is now joining us, and uh, we're just going to have to get through today. It seems like warmer weather is on the way. Yeah, the weekend definitely looking good on it to early next week. Definitely uh, on the cool side for today, those temperatures, many locations right now in the upper 40s to the low 50s. We do have some mid-50s from about southeast Nebraska to central and east areas of Kansas, but still some temperatures in the low to mid-40s on into the Nebraska Panhandle. A little bit of a breezy northwest wind leading to some wind chills mm. in the 30s in mm. the Nebraska Panhandle. Most of us right now with wind chills of in the low to mid-40s kind of don't like to see that coming. <laughs> mm, not so much. Uh, and then frost. Frost seems like it's just now going to be part of our life for pretty much the rest of the year. Yeah, um, next several days, or especially tomorrow morning looking at our coldest morning of the uh, season thus far if you could hand me that uh, freeze warning advisory that we do have uh, to pass along to everybody uh, freeze warning in effect for central and northeast Nebraska along with north central Kansas counties of Phillips and Smith counties tonight sub freezing temperatures of 30 to 32 expected by tomorrow morning just to the southeast of that freeze warning we do have a frost advisory in Nebraska that includes locations along and east of a line from Osceola to York and Superior Northern Kansas, that advisory area, basically along and east of a line from Belleville to Osborne, just above freezing on temperatures at 33 to 36. Now, this morning, it did get very chilly. Did get to the freezing mark in Albion, Broken Bow, Lexington, and Ord, with temperatures right around 31 to 32. North Platte down to 28. Sydney, the state low in Nebraska, getting down to 26 last night. Oh, oof, that sounds miserable. 26 it, degrees. It, a hard freeze has occurred. Uh, yikes. Okay, let me ask you this, because maybe I'm just thinking of this wrong or I'm not remembering right. This seems like it's a little bit later this year than the last couple of years we've had our first freeze warnings or frosts. Yeah, usually you start seeing those maybe earlier in, early in the month of October. But, you know, last several years we've seen some delayed freezes, which mm-hmm. is made for some very, very nice falls and some very beautiful falls when you head out to the rivers and True. some of those creeks and things like that. It is a nice time to look outside mm-hmm. in terms of the, the leaves changing of corn. I mean, everything is, is pretty nice outside, it looks wise. <laughs> but uh, as we look ahead to this weekend, it should be a favorable weekend for our Yes, uh, moving ahead, uh, conditions improving for getting back in the field after some rains in the middle of the week. Strong high pressure building in today. That is leading to some breezy northwest winds gusting up to 30 and also keeping our temperatures 10 degrees cooler than normal, but with abundant sunshine. High pressure does move overhead for tonight. Clear skies and some light winds will lead to the coolest night so far this season. Could be extra chilly at those football games. West and central areas dropping to freezing or just below while frost is possible across the east. Temperatures rebound to seasonal levels in the 60s tomorrow. Plenty of sunshine and some light westerly winds tomorrow and Sunday and Monday looking very nice. We'll warm into the 70s for Sunday and Monday before it drop to seasonal temperatures on Tuesday with an approaching cold front. A few light showers are possible with some moisture starved low pressure Tuesday night into Wednesday. Some prior forecasts didn't indicate maybe a few snowflakes on Tuesday night, but that has been removed right now from the forecast. Cooler air behind 
behind that front will allow near freezing temperatures to return on Wednesday night. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be seasonal or near normal the mid to late part of next week, but warmer than normal temperatures expected by next weekend through October 28th. During late October in central Nebraska, our typical daytime highs in the low 60s start dropping to the upper 50s. Average overnight lows in the mid-30s drop to around freezing by the 28th. Nebraska and Kansas will be mostly dry with below normal rainfall the mid to late part of next week, but those rain chances increasing with slightly above normal rainfall by next weekend through the 28th. Key weather factors influencing the markets include scattered showers ending across the U.S. and a La Nina-type pattern in South America. A cold front will continue to trigger some moderate to heavy rain from the central and eastern Corn Belt on into the northeast U.S. Strong high pressure ushering in some dry and chilly weather over the eastern U.S. for the weekend, while temperatures quickly rebound to above normal across the plains and Corn Belt. In the Midwest, wet fields from recent moderate rain will take some time to dry out as temperatures return back closer to normal through next week. A system will bring isolated rain to the Midwest the middle of next week, but nothing currently expected to delay harvest any further. For the Southern Plains, dry weather returns this weekend after rainfall that was fairly good for winter wheat areas. The exception is some areas of flooding from central Texas to southern Missouri. Across the northern plains, colder temperatures will only stick around for a couple of days before it gets warmer over the weekend. It may take a while for the northern plains soils to recover from the past week's heavy rain and snow and allow equipment back into the fields for resuming harvest. La Nina, which is below normal temperatures in the central Pacific, is strengthening. Most of the indicators are there for La Nina to take hold next month and continue through the southern hemisphere summer before it gradually goes neutral in the southern hemisphere fall. La Nina usually delays the central Brazil wet season and leads to below normal rain across Argentina and southern Brazil. Now the wet season delay did not occur but showers were lighter and spottier until recently. Argentina's rainfall though has been below normal the last 30 days with most areas seeing less than 50% of normal rainfall. Not a lot, a lot that I liked about your uh, forecast here, especially <laughs> next week when we have potential for snow. Yes, uh, Tuesday night, watch out. We may see a little bit of snow mixed in with some rain showers if we do get a little rain, but right now it's a pretty iffy chance at some moisture Tuesday night into Wednesday. So not measurable snow? No, not okay. by any means. So. All right. So good harvest weekend, though, is a moral of the story, and into early next week, at least for a couple of days. Yeah, uh, the next several days, you know, uh, tomorrow through Tuesday, uh, looking at temperatures about 65 to 72, mm-hmm. very ideal across the area. Beautiful. All right. Sounds good. Uh, for a full weekend forecast, where can somebody find that? Our weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Hello, this is Governor Pete Ricketts inviting you to join me for my next Governor's Monthly Call-In Show this coming Monday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time and 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain Time. I'm excited to grow Nebraska, and I look forward to taking your calls and questions. Please tune in and stay involved with your state government with my monthly call-in show from the Nebraska Broadcasters Association and this radio station. The Nebraska Rural Radio Association presents the Governor's Call-In Show Monday at 2 p.m. on 880 KRBN. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network, and it is time for our weekly conversation with Nebraska's ag climatologist, Al Dutcher. A little bit of change in weather, a lot cooler here this week. What can we expect for the second half of October? Well, Chad, the last few weeks have been a really a challenge in terms of forecasting these systems that are moving across the country, and, and this last one was an example of, 
an overestimation of precipitation across eastern Nebraska, a little bit more widespread across western Nebraska than regularly predicted. And then, of course, we followed up with this cold weather. In fact, we've seen hard freeze conditions across almost all stations that are reported in the Panhandle the last couple mornings. And that extended out into the western sand hills, basically North Platte, Bedford region. But as you got eastward, we didn't see the hard freeze conditions. And it looks like basically somewhere between light frost to moderate frost conditions all the way into east central and northeast Nebraska. It looks like the Omaha Lincoln areas of the southeast. Looks like they missed out on it for now, but then we've got this cool air today, and we'll see radiational cooling tonight as the upper air low responsible for pulling this cold air in really carves a pretty deep trough over the Great Lakes. So we'll be to see a gradual warm-up as we go to this weekend as high pressure to our west starts to build in, and it looks like we'll have a fairly benign conditions all the way through at least Monday and potentially Tuesday as we watch another trough coming in through the central Rockies. Now this system has been really difficult for the models to handle the last couple days because it's not a very strong system and at least from the GFS model standpoint wanted to cut it off somewhat which makes it slow down and that makes a, a very difficult forecast going forward in terms of precipitation. It right now doesn't appear that there wants to be a lot of precipitation with this system, not a big moisture feed from the south because it's not such a strong system. But the question is, as we get into Tuesday and Wednesday, where will the precipitation be? And right now it's being focused basically the central Rockies, primarily over Wyoming as we go into Tuesday. And then as we go into Wednesday, we start seeing that spread across the state. And it looks right now that the best chances are across the northern one-third of the state. But if this system digs a little bit deeper to the south, we'll see some of that fill in across portions of central, maybe even south southern Nebraska. That system will get strength as it goes into the Great Lakes trough, gets merged in with that. And there's also a piece of energy look, it looks to be rotated around that low-pressure system, particularly as we get basically into that period around the 22nd of the month. That may give us some freezing conditions across eastern Nebraska, that, especially for areas that have not received that freezing temperatures. But in the western part of the state, it looks like we'll stay closer to that ridge. And outside of that, we really don't show any precipitation from this point forward in the models until we get toward the end of the month as another system comes into the western United States. And right now, there's a lot of variation about how that's going to be depicted going forward. But it does look like we'll see some inclement weather across the western one half of the United States, particularly as we go through the end of October and the early part of November. At this point, not showing a lot of cold air with this system. So it might be more in the rain, form of a cold rain. But with 10 days to go before we get to that event, I think a lot of things will change. And it's very possible we will tap into some colder air and see some snow with that system, particularly over the Intermountain regions and maybe even across the areas that were impacted with this last system, the northern plains and the western portions of Nebraska. So it's just kind of a heads up that there is some inclement weather coming toward the end of the month. But overall, if we get by this system on the middle of the week, we should have fairly good harvest activity weather until we see those systems starting to come in towards the end of the month. As always, great information. Thank you so much, Al. Nebraska's ag climatologist, Al Dutcher, on our weekly update here on the Rural Radio Network. Chad Moyer reporting. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, Nebraska travels to Minnesota to take on the Gophers tomorrow. The Huskers 
They need a victory, especially to help their chances of potentially getting to six wins and making a bowl game at the end of the season. The Gophers, they've had some time to prepare. They're coming off a bye week. They are three and two. Kickoff tomorrow in Minneapolis is an early one. It'll be chilly. 11 a.m. start. We'll bring it to you on 880 KRVN and 98.5 Grand Island. Our coverage tomorrow will start at 7 a.m. for the Huskers Radio Network. Some sad news involving Husker football. Defensive coordinator Eric Chenander's father, Gene, was killed in a car crash yesterday in rural northeastern Iowa. According to the crash report from the Iowa State Patrol, the incident happened yesterday afternoon just before 2.45. UNK football team travels to Emporia State tomorrow. The Lopers are 5-1 and one and set in second place in the MIAA standings. Kickoff is set for one. We'll bring you the game tomorrow at 93.1 the river and 106.9 in Kearney. Former UNK defensive back Boone Anderson in Milford was killed this week in an automobile accident in Grand Island. Anderson's vehicle was struck by a train. He played for the Lopers from 2014 through 2016. High school football action tonight. Elm Creek is at home against Bertrand. That one kicks off at 7. We'll bring it to you here on 880 KRVN. Lexington's on the road at Alliance. That one's a later start at 8. You can catch it on Cami Country. FKC Volleyball Tournament wrapped up last night. Overton was impressive, winning it in 3 over SEM. And Pleasanton, they took 3rd with a win in 3 over Amherst. St. Paul won the LPC Tournament over Centura. UNK Volleyball Squad back at home tonight looking to snap a rare two-game losing skid. They'll take on Pittsburgh State. That one begins at 6. Husker Volleyball Squad in action tomorrow night at 6 against Illinois. You can hear that one over on Cami Country. And the State High School Softball and Tennis Tournaments wrap up today. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Greg Sharp here. The Huskers are back on the road Saturday for a battle with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Join us for every snap on 880-KRVN. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is joining us. And uh, another strike, this time with Kellogg's. Yes, uh, interesting. There's uh, several Nebraska lawmakers voicing support for Kellogg's cereal workers who are on strike at the company's Omaha plant and others. The senator sent a letter to Kellogg's CEO and the company's labor contract negotiating team to show solidarity with the unionized workers. The letter asked Kellogg's to continue to work in good faith to ensure that employees are compensated with wages and benefits that match their work and dedication to the company. The letter was signed by 14 Democrats and 17 Republicans in the officially nonpartisan legislature and spearheaded by State Senator Mike McDonnell, a former Omaha police chief and firefighters union president himself. A search for a new executive director of the nonprofit Open Sky Policy Institute is underway after Renee Fry announced that she's stepping back from the position. Open Sky's Craig Beck shared what he knows about the search. Our founding director, Renee, has, has decided to step back after, back after 10 great years of service. Our board is currently conducting a nationwide search for her replacement. The one thing that I can say is that uh, those are some pretty big shoes to fill. So we'll be looking forward to what the board puts forward. 
Open Sky's mission is to improve opportunities for every Nebraskan by providing impartial and precise research, analysis, leadership to our nonprofit organization. With crops being harvested and deer breeding season in full swing, deer are more active this time of year. The Nebraska Game and Parks offers these tips to avoid deer vehicle collisions. They include uh, during the breeding season uh, to, if you spot a deer, assume that there will be others in the area. Anticipate the possibility of a deer on the road. Be prepared to stop suddenly, but braking too sharply or swerving may cause you to lose control or roll your vehicle. And when driving near shelter belts, wood lots, or creeks, especially during evening or early morning, slow down and watch for deer. The Biden administration says it will turn next to the U.S. Supreme Court in its attempt to halt a Texas law that has banned most abortions since September. The announcement by the Justice Department comes after an appeals court again left in place a law that bans abortions once cardiac activity is detected. That is usually around six weeks and before some women know they are pregnant. The Texas law is the nation's biggest curb to abortion in nearly 50 years. Last month, the U.S. Supreme Court allowed the law to take effect, but did so without ruling on whether it is constitutional. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. So I've got a question for you. What do you think corn, ethanol, and a fuel distributor in California have to do with Nebraska? A lot. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Let me set the stage for you. On Thursday, a group of corn growers sat around the table eating breakfast at the Three Seas Cafe in Albion, Nebraska. And as this group of farmers sat around the table, you could hear the excitement as they talked not only about agriculture in general, but the vital role ethanol plays in the state of Nebraska. Greg Jones is Director of Business Development at Pearson Fuels. They're based in San Diego, California. And as you're going to hear the conversation I had with Greg, they are big proponents of E85 and educating those in California about it. One side note, they are forecast to sell 50 million gallons this year, and most of that fuel is coming from Nebraska. So the company was established in 2003 and it was uh, established by Mike Lewis. He was the original founder of the company and, and uh, what he wanted to do was assist station owners in bringing E85 to, to their stations and it was uh, not an easy thing to do. So he, in his words, had an epiphany and he went out and uh, applied for grant money and that was the start of Pearson Fuels and we we had about 10 stations uh, the first seven, eight years, and uh, I've been with the company since 2010 now, and uh, Mike and I, you know, just kind of stayed the course and and uh, decided that this was what California needed because uh, there was nothing available out there. Um, so fast forward to today, we have about 250 locations, retail locations that we supply, and uh, as far as the, the importance that it plays in California, I, I think it's several things. Um, first of all, it provides a lower cost fuel for the um, price sensitive customer. Uh, it provides a higher octane fuel, higher quality fuel. And uh, it's much cleaner. You know, this is the fuel that we provide in California is about 60% cleaner compared to uh, unleaded gasoline. 
What are some of the biggest hurdles, Greg, you've had to work through? Because folks, I mean, all over the country have to continually be educated about ethanol. But California specifically, with all the politics and, and the feels about the environment, did you have any big hurdles you've had to overcome? <clears throat> Uh, yes, I mean there there are several hurdles. Um, you know, one of the biggest hurdles that we're working on right now is the continuation of the building of these flex fuel vehicles. Uh, it's been an uphill battle, and uh, the peak of that was in 2017, where we saw the most of the the, the majority of these cars built. There's about 1.3 million of these cars on the road today in California. But the attrition rate is starting, and the you know they're still building these cars. The manufacturers are building these cars, but mostly on the fleet fleet side, uh, which doesn't necessarily help the everyday customer. Um, but that that's the biggest hurdle that we're working on right now. Uh, obviously, there's you know other issues, but right now that is at the forefront. So, how did you guys find Nebraska for a supplier of ethanol? Well, so about five years ago. Um, our managing member, our current managing member, Doug Vind, uh, he he came on as a consultant with the company, and he had a relationship with uh, Nebraska Corn Processors, uh, NCP is who they what they go by, and he brought them on, and they decided to invest in the company, and so they came in as an equal, you know, twenty five percent ownership stake, and. It wasn't something that we had to do. It was a more strategic play, uh, so we would never have to worry about supply. And so that's how our relationship with Nebraska came about. And then it snowballed into you know meeting the guys at the Corn Board and, and establishing that relationship. Uh, for you to get to come to Nebraska and get a little hands-on view of not only an ethanol facility, but see some corn being harvested and that kind of stuff. Talk about what that's been like. I love it. I love it. I grew up in a small town of about 15,000 people. I know that's uh, a lot bigger uh, than than where we're at now, but you know, I grew up you know near dairy uh, dairies and and cattle and and fields. Uh, so it there's a sense of familiarity to me. But I I love the small town feel and I love to see what they're doing out here. It's it's just nice to, nice not to see buildings and cement everywhere like we see in you know in San Diego and L.A. where I'm I'm typically from. The guys went out to California. They spent some time in some of the the fueling stations that you guys supply for. Mm-hmm. I think what a neat eye opener for the customer to see that link together with the fuel that they are putting in their tank and to learn a little bit more about ethanol and, and how it comes about. Absolutely. Um, I think as far as the customer, you know, it, it's hard. They don't necessarily see everything, you know, b- behind the curtain. They they care about price. The customer cares about price. Uh, that is first and foremost. Uh, you know, I think a smaller majority care about the cleanliness, um, but I think that's coming. I think that's becoming more of a topic of conversation at the forefront. And um, yeah, I, you know, it's when they came down. You know, we didn't we didn't converse too much with the customer base, um, and it's hard for them to see what happens and how you make it, and for them to really understand that. They just want to see it at the pump and just have an option. To give these customers an option is the biggest part. We'll have more coming up shortly with Greg Jones. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Stocks are climbing again on Wall Street as encouraging reports on the economy and corporate profits help Wall Street firm itself following a few shaky weeks. With the business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. The S&P 500 was seven-tenths percent higher in early trading, 
and is flirting with its best weekly performance since July. Better-than-expected profit reports from J.B. Hunt Transport Services, Goldman Sachs, and others helped drive the market higher. Americans continued to spend at a solid clip in September, even as they faced sticker shock at the grocery stores and elsewhere, and even as snarled global supply chains are limiting the flow of goods. The Commerce Department says retail sales rose a seasonally adjusted 7 tenths percent in September from the month before. Consensus estimates were for a decrease of 5 tenths percent, according to a survey of economists by FactSet. Sales at clothing and accessory stores rose 1.1 percent, while online sales were up 6 tenths of a percent. U.S. health advisors are meeting today to tackle who needs boosters of Johnson & Johnson's single-shot COVID-19 vaccine and when. Advisors to the Food and Drug Administration also will examine data suggesting that boosters of a competing brand might provide better protection. The national booster campaign kicked off last month with a third dose of the Pfizer vaccine offered to certain high-risk groups at least six months after their initial vaccination. The average U.S. household is going to pay more for heating this winter as the prices for heating fuels go up and a colder winter forecast contributes to greater demand. The U.S. Energy Information Administration says homes heated by propane could see a 54% increase in heating costs over last year, along with heating oil costs up by 43%, natural gas heating costs up by 30%, and electric heating costs up by 6%. With the Business Report... This afternoon, we were introduced to Greg Jones. He's director of business development at Pearson Fuels, based out of San Diego, California. His desire to continue to push for E85. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The the cool thing about this is over 50 million gallons is what they're projected to use this year, and of that. A big chunk of that is coming from Nebraska. So I asked Greg yesterday while we were in Albion, what were some of their goals when it came to educating consumers in California about E85? Yeah, our marketing team does an amazing job at that. Um, You know, I think we do it better than anyone else in the United States. Um, I know I'm a little bit biased, but I see what other companies are doing. and, And other companies just put it out there at the pump and hope it sells. Uh, And they put it on the price sign. Uh, We do... Uh, a lot of different kind of events. We do a lot of social media uh, and promotion and, you know, interviews. And um, But the main thing that I think is, is posting a competitive price out on the street and promoting what the fuel can do uh, and, and letting people know that their vehicles can use this type of fuel. I mean, like I said earlier, there's 1.3 million of these cars in California, and I think 10% probably know that they actually have a flex fuel vehicle. Um, so, and as far as events, what we do is, you know, we'll, we'll set a street price of $1.85 a gallon for a whole month. So, you know, if somebody's passing by the station and they see it every, you know, every day, they're going to hopefully ask themselves, well, what is this fuel? And, and give it a shot. And uh, my experience is, is that if they try it, they typically like it. What's next for you guys? Um, you talk about the marketing, but continuing to, to grow the relationships that you have with the ethanol facilities here in Nebraska, and I'm sure other states, as you continue to grow, you're going to need more supplies. We, we're very well set on our supply. Um, you know, our supply team does a very good job at making sure that we're covered uh, for our retail outlet. I think that we have the best ethanol buyer in the United States. His name is Doug Vind. He's also the managing member of the company. And... Um, 
that he's I, I, we call him a magician when it comes to this and and he's just very strategic and um, but we're always looking for new partners um, and some work some don't it just really depends on how much fuel we need to bring to a region in California and how we can align that with uh, the the demand that each station has. So we're always looking to expand in California, and a lot has to do with rail, where rail lines are positioned and, um, and where um, these facilities are set up uh, to, to send uh, these rail cars out to us. I was going to ask you that. Um, obviously, it comes out by rail. As you talked uh, tonight, this morning at breakfast, you know, that there, you've got pockets that you can expand into. Absolutely. Does that cause a concern when it comes to rail cars? Or are you just going to be able to move it by truck? Um, we'll be able to. Uh, we will be able to move it by truck. We've been. We've done that um, primarily uh, dating back. You know, probably four or five years ago and we really started to get in tune with you know transload facilities which means uh, you know bringing rail cars uh, to a rail spur and then the fuel truck will pull up to that rail car and fuel up and then disperse the fuel from there but um, we're pretty well set right now we're trying to fill little pockets in california that make the logistics a little bit more efficient and uh, i think that we'll be very well set up um, probably a maybe less than a year from now and uh and i think that we'll be as efficient as we possibly can that's my conversation with greg jones with pearson fuels out of san diego i'm susan littlefield Pro radio network guys care play patent on the rural radio network let's check in now with john payne marketing analyst with stone x and publisher of the daily newsletter this weekend grain john as we come into the weekly close now grains are in the green strongly in the green for some of the contracts with that it kind of makes us wonder did we have a usda report this week that was a little more negative to the market well i think it's a lesson and really this isn't just the first time we've seen this quite a bit where the, the usda doesn't really change the long-term trend. I mean, we're keeping prices somewhat steady to sideways, but, you know, I think we've maybe made a harvest low here. Uh, you know, just the way we're trading a breakout moving wheat, trading near the high of the week. Um, you have corn, you know, again, shrugging off that increasing yield number. And even in a market like soybean meal, uh, meal saw a pretty good move off the low there. And today's crush report wasn't stellar for beans, but you know, it showed meal demand is massive, domestic meal demand especially. So you're hitting prices here that are pretty attractive to the buyer. We just need to start exporting a little more. Uh, and, you know, I think you get a, a wheat off to a rocky start, corn's going to have to move. I think corn will move anyway. In fact, I'm kind of exchanging text messages this afternoon with some guys that I know over at John Deere, and it sounds to me like they're, uh, you know, if things don't happen by Monday, both sides could kind of settle in here for a longer-term longer term situation. The one, the strike in the 80s went, 186 days. So if you have production problems, specifically on the maintenance side and supply side, you know, you could, that could really hack into planning, not just here in the U.S. and South America as well, um, where they own a tremendous amount of market share. And looking at that, uh, investors may be confident about that. It looks like John Deere stock is up on the day. Back to the dollar or back to the grain. So the U.S. dollar index continues to find support right there around the 94. I know you watch a lot of emerging currencies, kind of seeing where the dollar's basing off that. Is that market or are those sp- uh, spreads telling you anything right now? Well, yeah, I think the market's anticipating rate hike here, and they're pushing the dollar index higher against the euro. So the euro is weak. The yen actually is in a decent play. You look at the inflation rankings of countries here, um, because 
uh, uh, Japan's been such a train wreck really for the last 15 years, they've actually caught like a break in that everybody else is dealing with inflation and they're not. And they can invest in these countries, companies, or these countries rather, make money in them and not have to deal with the inflation themselves. So Japan is an interesting dynamic right now, uh, as is Brazil and, and Russia. I think those two uh, specifically would be worth watching. And then the, the Chinese yuan, which throughout all of this mess with Evergrande and all of the deals they've had to deal with here with covid it has not moved over the last three months. And that, in my opinion, is something to see. If that would really get moving, that's where I think you can see some of the commodities like higher. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, rather Stonex in Chicago. Do remember, train future options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Thank you, Clay. Catch the Midday podcast from today and earlier this week. Available online Later this afternoon at krvn.com.